Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. Out on the edge of town, everything's on the edge of town. All right, so today, um, and probably next time too, so this, the, this class and the one after the break, we're going to talk about factorial analysis of variance. All right, Indeed. <laughs> so I made up some data. The, the, the data themselves don't matter, okay? So don't, don't let that be a thing that you care about. Um, but let's say you did an experiment looking at the, the effects of retention interval on memory. Um, this is not your honors thesis because this has been done at Inghouse. So it's already happened. But let's say we had five minutes, one hour, 24 hours, and we got a percentage correct, let's say 20 words or something of 90%, 70%, and we have their 60%. That's possible. Those are actually pretty realistic numbers. So you do that experiment, you conclude that retention interval affects memory. You do a little analysis of variance, three groups, piece of cake, right? Pretty simple. Okay. Let's say you do the same thing with levels of process. Low level processing, medium, and high. Um, levels of processing is basically, uh, for those of you who haven't taken memory, is. A low level of processing is just uh, looking at the surface features, say, of a word. Medium is maybe. Uh, thinking about the meaning and, and deep would be, or high, would be uh, using the word in a sentence, maybe even generating the word yourself. Okay? And again, you would find similar results to this, where low you get 70, medium you get 80, high you get 90, something like that. Again, this is not earth shattering. It is, in fact, this uh, thing is the most cited article in all of the history of experimental psychology. It's an article by Craig and Lockhart, 1972. So you do the ANOVA, <coughs> you conclude that levels of processing affects memory. <coughs> Bloody well better. Okay, the thing is, what level, what retention interval should you have done your levels of processing experiment at? Well, we could argue for five minutes, for one hour, 24 hours, we could argue anything. They'd all be perfectly reasonable answers. What, le what level of levels of processing should you do the retention interval experiment at? Low, medium, high. We could, those are all perfectly good questions. Right? They all make sense. Hmm. Well, you know where this is going. You guys have all taken 2127. You know where this is going. Uh, we're going to put them together. So we're going to get a low level, a medium level, and a high level of processing. And we're going to get a five-minute retention interval, a one-hour retention interval, and a 24-hour retention interval. And then we've got different groups. And I'm using G1, G2, G3, group 1, group 2, group 3, group 4, group 5, group 6, group 7, group 8, group 9. So we've got nine groups in what we would call a three-by-three three factorial design. They're independent groups, different people in different groups. That's why it's group 1, group 2, group 3. Does the logic of this make some sense? I think you've all seen this before. I know, well, assuming you've taken 2127, and you're not supposed to take this class with it, having taken 2127. Um, 
you'll be fine. We understand this, right? This is a pretty straightforward thing. If you've read any papers at all, you've seen factorial designs. But I kind of do that all the time. It's like, this is easy. Everyone's seen this before. This is trivially, trivial to understand. Do any of you people have any questions? Which makes it sound like, are you stupid? <laughs> I really need to stop doing that. There's certain things, I, there are little things that I do that really piss me off with the way I lecture. I, I really try to do it better and better all the time. I know I'm pretty good. But, damn it, I can't believe I do that. So, does anybody have any questions? Does this make sense? Okay, I know you've seen it before, but I, again, a lot of you, it could have been a couple of terms ago. Okay, so here comes the model. Structural model, incoming! X equals B plus alpha plus beta plus alpha beta plus epsilon. The alpha and the beta, I'm sorry, I didn't do this, it's not my fault. The alpha and the beta are not type 1 error and 2 error now. They're effective A, the effective factor A and the effective factor B. You know, leave them there, good. Goddamn way. Okay. A score equals the grand mean plus the effective factor A, or the A effect. In this case, it could be, you want to take rotation intervals, the A effect, fine. And then the B effect, let's call that the levels of processing. If you want to do that, that's fine. Plus the AB interaction, ooh, something new. And of course, the error. Now, you've seen that before, the grand mean. You've seen this before, error. You've seen, really, these are just two treatment effects. It's like we got cow done twice now. The only thing here that's any different is the alpha beta, is the interaction effect. It's the only thing that's different here, guys. You've all seen, remember the old, the old model, the original model we had was x equals mu plus tau plus epsilon. That was the first model we talked about. This is really the same. We just That's a, just a, a trigger effect. We now just have two of them. The only thing that's new is this. Alpha beta. It's the only thing that's new. Questions? Okay. Only thing so far. X equals mu plus alpha plus beta plus alpha beta plus epsilon. Okay, let's explain this a little bit more. I'm going to try to break it down a bit more. So we can look at A and we can look at B. I'm just now you're going to start getting used to this. And you saw that in the last assignment you just handed in. I talked about is there an effective A? It's independent variable A, independent variable B, whatever. That's what I mean, okay? So not only can we look at A and B, we can look at how A and B act together, how they interact. It's sort of like a whole is more than the sum of its parts thing. The effect of one variable changing depending upon the level of some second variable. So there's an effect of A, but it's different at, a, at B1 than it is at B2. I'll see if I can come up with a concrete example. And these concrete examples I come up with are almost always impressive. Yeah, but, but I think it, 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 it hits it home. It's women make less money than men, even for the same work. We know that. I'm not saying it's good. I'm 
I'm saying we know. I'm not saying it should be that way. I'm saying we know it. But 80 somewhat cents on the dollar, if that. Right? So it's, it's harder to make as much money, to, to, it's harder to do well economically as a woman than it is to be, do well economically as a guy. Just it's true. It's true. Right? don't like it. That's the way it is. It's getting better? Sure. Is it fixed? No. Better than it was 20 years ago, but it ain't fixed. Okay. Okay. You got a question, Dan, or just. Uh, Never mind. Okay. So, we know that. There's an effect of sex on your income. It's also a lot easier being white than it is not being white. You know what's discriminating against the most now? It's, it's white male Christians. That's bullshit. Um, I love hearing people say stuff like that because really, who runs all the countries? Um, and the companies. And the, let's stop with the stupid. Um, it's easier being white than it is not being white. That's just, again, I don't like that very much. I'm the whitest guy you've ever met. <laughs> My hair's clear for Christ's sake. But. We know being a visible minority is harder than not being a visible minority in, 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 in with the Western world everywhere, even when you're not a minority. Your hair is clear. If you look at my hair underneath the microscope, it's clear. So I don't think it was clear. I can't put that in my passport, though. I think they know what. So I put more. So it's easier being white than it's not being white. Pick your, uh, pick, pick your uh, ethnic group you want. You want to talk native people, you want to talk uh, black people, I don't care. It's always easier being white. See, this is the person. I'm a white male, that's the person. Hmm. I bet it's really hard being a woman who's from the North. In fact, I bet it's harder than just adding up woman and minority group, the effects of those two. I bet woman, woman of color, as people say, I can't believe I just said that because I hate that expression. I don't know why, it bugs me for some reason. It's actually perfectly reasonable. Anyway, that's even harder. That's an interaction. It's a depressing interaction, but it's an interaction. Okay? And it's even depressing to say being white and being. Is, is, is good. Being a white male is even better. It's better than just being white and being male. But that's depressing too, and it also makes it sound, it's weird for me to say that. But it's also depressing. But I think it kind of hits home. I think we know that. I think that women from minority groups are worse off than just women or just minority groups. We add those two together, there's something else on there. Right? So you guys, by the way, you guys fix that, okay? Take care of that. Get on that. Make a few calls. See if you can fix it. If only. Eh? Okay. Now that we're all sad <laughs> about the economic, socioeconomic uh, situation in the world, any questions? Does that make sense? Does that example make sense? So the, it's the effect of one variable changes depending upon the level of some second variable. The effect of sex changes depending upon the level of second variable, and that's going to be uh, ethnic group and call that. Okay? There you go. I like the way I put that mathematically. Picture equals a thousand times words. So we've got uh, independent variable down here, A. That's A1. That's A2. 
color is hard to see here. This is kind of a reddish color for B, uh, for level B2, and the bluish color is for B1. And as you can see, there's an effect of A, right? The difference between B1 and B2 is smaller, uh, damn it, I should say, at A1 than it is at A2. So the difference between B1 and B2 is smaller than it is, and that you should say A1 than it is at A2. I go over these things in the morning and I make sure they're okay, and then it's not. Miss something. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. Let's do that. Um, the effect of B changes depending upon the level of A. The effect of B changes depending upon the level of A. That's what an interaction is. Oh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Um, what if they're not like, correlated at all? How do you mean? Like, what if they're just like, I don't know, because I'm assuming you're using this for like a study. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what variables are. I'm understanding a million ideas. <laughs> and um, say, like, you're testing something. And yeah, that's right. If they're unrelated matters, then the effect of B wouldn't change upon it. Yeah, and there's a lot of there are variables like that, but there is no. No interaction whatsoever. So then why would you multiply it? Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be in there because the, the interaction factor is zero. Right? So think about this. This is a good question you're asking. Um, and you can get some chart. A whole box of chart. Excellent. Ooh. So we've got, we've got our model. X equals mu plus alpha plus beta plus alpha beta plus epsilon. OK, and you're saying what if they don't ever interact? Which happens. There are certainly the cases we get no interaction effect. All that means is this alpha beta is zero. Okay, so that means then that, there, that that's true. The x equals b plus alpha plus beta plus epsilon. All we're saying here is that the alpha beta effect is zero. Don't think of it really like multiplying. I see what you're doing there. It's not really quite like multiplying. It's sort of like multiplying. You'll see in a second. Yeah, Tom. Okay, I was just about to ask, like, so for that to have, for an interaction to be zero, would alpha or beta have to have no effect? Yeah, no, that's the thing. Yeah, and it's not really multiplication. Yeah, it's the effect of A and B acting together. These really are, this is sort of a short form. Um, and you'll see in a second, I hope. And if not, we'll come back to it. And it should have got smaller than this ad. So new, new version of Keynotes changed some stuff. Okay. So x equals mu plus alpha plus beta plus alpha beta plus epsilon. We have some assumptions. This is all, there's always going to be assumptions for analysis. There's assumptions for everything. Everything has assumptions. The sum of the alpha i's equals zero. Anyway, what does that mean? Well, the effect of being in, let's just say it's a two by two, a very simple design. A1, A2, B1, B2. Okay, so our design will look like this, A1, A2, crossed with B1, and B2. The effect of being in A1, let's say it's plus 2, raises your score by 2. Okay. If that's the case, the effect of A2 must depress your score by 2. The sum of the alpha i's, i is an index. So I, can be one, I will be 1 and i is 2, because we have two levels. That's all it is. 
So the sum of the alpha i's equals zero. That happens with treatment effects, by the way. The sum of the treatment effects, sum of the tau is equal to zero. So let me see. I bet the next one is the sum of the beta j is equal to zero. So let's say that being in B1 raises your score by one. So then being in B2 would subtract one from your score. They just truly They just sum to zero. You will see in a moment, you might be thinking right now, that seems like a really weird restriction you're putting on this. You'll see in a sec that, in fact, there is no other way for this to work. This must be true. You'll, you'll see that in a, in a moment. I know right now you're thinking, huh? The sum of the alpha i beta j, so it should be a j after the b, after the beta, is also zero. So, that's going to raise your score of three. That's a1, b1. a2, b1 was depress your score by, say, three. I'm just, I'm just using arbitrary numbers here, okay? It isn't always one, two, or three. Uh, A1, B2 would be minus three, and A1, sorry, A2, B2 would be plus three. And again, you will see in a moment that that is always, it, it can't not happen. By the way, though, let's say there was no effect. A whole bunch of zeros do sum to zero. Right? So you see now, of both Tom and Christina, now you can see that like the, the alpha-beta effects actually aren't multiplications. They're what happens at A1B1, at A1B2, at A2B1, and at A2B2. Independent of the effect of A and the effect of B. Okay. Questions? You're okay. Error is normally distributed and independent. Well, we're always going to have independence of error. That means that, um, I don't know, so if I know Kelsey's score, I don't know anything about Ashley's score. Normal and independent with a mean of zero and a variance of sigma squared. Remember error before? Error was normally distributed around the scores. That's the same thing. That's all that's. I'm just making it a little more mathy looking now than it was last time. That's all I'm doing. Nothing fancy. What would you call that again? Uh, call what? The last thing, like how do you read that out? Uh, error is normally distributed independent with a mean of zero and a variance of sigma squared. Yeah, NID means normal independent. Okay. So far, Questions? Okay, good. Now, F, the F test itself has its own assumptions. Um, homogeneity variance, which we had last time. This is going to be new. Um, random samples, we can violate that. We can violate this little point. About four to one, we're okay. We can violate the crap out of random samples, which is nice because we hardly ever really have random samples ever, but we can violate it, so that's okay. Normal populations, <laughs> we violate that too, it doesn't matter. 
it really is. Technically, the math needs that, but it's the F test is very robust when it comes to violations of the random sample and random population assumptions. Very robust. And there's a way to test that. The way that's tested is with, is with what's called Monte Carlo experiments. You do simulations, and you do about a, you do say 10,000 simulations, and you make up the data, and you make up the population, and you make up a non-normal population, and you run it, and it still works just fine. You make you don't do random samples, still works just fine. So that's how we know. Okay, so let's do a little bit of a numerical example. And this is sort of the opposite of what I was doing here on the board. Okay? So far. Questions so far, though? You good? Okay. So we got, uh, let's see, A1, A2, B1, B2, 9, 7, 3, 1. Great. First thing we're going to remember, x equals u plus alpha plus beta plus alpha, beta plus epsilon. This is something you should say to yourself three, four times a night before you fall asleep. You'll be okay. Um, first thing we're going to do is we're going to take out the grand mean. We're going to isolate all these effects. Well, let's take out something that's very general, the grand mean that applies to every single cell. Right? Each of these is called a cell. A1, B1, A2, B1, A1, B2, A2, B2. They're all called cells. Okay. So what's the grand mean? 9, 7, 16, 17, and 3 is 20. 20 divided by 4 is 5. What we're going to do now is we're going to take 5 out of each cell. We're going to take 5 out of each cell. All right. What was that? Everyone do what? What did you say? Subtract 5 out of each cell. Well, 9 minus 5 is 4. 7 minus 5 is 2. These are things you... I'm not going to do the rest of this arithmetic. You can subtract 5 from numbers. I know you can all do that. So we end up with these scores here, 4, 2, negative 2, negative 4. So the grand mean's gone. Uh, by the way, notice something about the grand mean's gone. And this should happen. Think about it. If we take the grand mean out... If we add all those numbers up, it should sum to zero, shouldn't it? It has to, because we've taken out the average score. And look at this. And that's not me cooking those numbers. I mean, the only way I cook these numbers is so that there's no fractions. It just makes, it gets messy when you get fractions. But this is just, this isn't magic. It has to be that way. It must always be the case that these will sum to zero. So now what we're going to do is we're going to, do look, we're going to try to look, look at the effects of A and B on their own. So let's look at the effect of B first. We sum across A1 and A2, so we're going to sum across A. B1 is so 6 divided by 2, which is 3. B2 is negative 6 divided by 2, which is negative 3. Why are we dividing by 2? Because we're taking the average effect. We have two observations here and two observations here. Note that they sum to 0. They must, they always will. If they do not, you have made a mistake. It is impossible for them not to sum to zero. It can't not sum to zero. It just must always. It just, it's, and I, I think I saw Ashley with this look on her face. I think I saw a light bulb actually go off over your head. <laughs> um, it just, it must. Hoping he has some of that light over the 
here, like that, I got 3 and negative 3. I'm going to subtract 3 from all the B1s and negative 3 from all the B2s. By the way, remember when you subtract a negative, you add the absolute value of the number. Right? Remember that? So minus minus equals plus, sort of two wrongs actually make a right, which is <laughs> interesting. So I did that. 1, negative 1, 1, negative 1. So let's now do the same thing this way for A1 and A2. A1 is 1. I'm not doing, I'm not, I refuse to write out 2 divided by 2 is 1. Okay? But that's what I did. That's what I did. 1 and 1 is 2. Divided by 2 is 1. And as we know, 1 is the loneliest number. The song of the 60s. What do you mean? Tell me you got the joke. That's good. I was a very small child in that song. Great song, actually. All right. Well, now you know what I'm going to do. It's the same thing. Let's take one out of here and negative one out of here. We're left with absolutely nothing. <laughs> this is the case. This is our interaction term now, because what's left? The alpha beta is not, there's nothing. So why do we... Like, why do we have to do that little chart? Like, can't we just know by transformations that if the mean's 5 and the minus 5 from the mean, then it becomes 0? You know but I mean? you saw when we took out uh, 5, right? Yeah. From all those, there were still, there were non-zero terms left in there. Right? Yeah. So that allowed us to get the, uh, the A effect and B effect. Right? That showed us that the A effect and B effect were non-zero. Right? That showed us that. This now shows us that the interaction effect is zero. By the way, I have not done anything with the individual scores that make up these. This is sort of an idealized thing I'm doing. And what were the, what were the for B, it was 3 and negative 3, right? Is that correct? So that means the sum of squares for B would be 18. How did I do that? Well, 3 squared is 9 plus negative 3 squared is 9. 99 is 18. We can't get the sum of squares for error, or we don't call it error probably anymore. We're going to call it, we're not going to call it error. Um, we'd actually do individual people's scores, and we don't have that because it just makes this a mess. And it doesn't help, I don't think it helps you understand. And the sum of squares for interaction would actually be zero. That would really never happen. But in this idealized world that we live in, in a world where variance is analyzed, one man has the courage to love. So, I don't know. I don't know what the hell I even meant. So there's nothing there. There's no interaction. It's just a mean, of course, as I was going to be. And a main effect of A and a main effect of B. Okay? That's all there is. <laughs> See, sometimes the, I giggle to myself there. Sometimes I make jokes that I, I know that I know no one gets, so I didn't say it. But they're fun for me. Question, Spencer. Uh, I'm just wondering how you got to zero. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I took one from here and negative one from here. Remember, they were ones in a one, oh. and negative one in a two. So I just took the ones out. Right. I de-oneified it. 
technical term. I think it is. I made that up. So that was nothing left. And you can, what you would normally do is actually graph it first, but it would, that would be spoilers, so I didn't show you the graph first. But if you graph this, you can see there's no interaction effect. This is exactly, Christina, you say, what if there's no interaction? That's what it looks like. We have a main effect of A. Look, A1's always bigger than A2. We have main effect of B. Bigger than that. But we have no interaction because the effect of A does not change depending upon the level of B. The effect of one variable doesn't change depending upon the level of some second variable. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, like, doing that chart, would we ever not sum to zero? They must sum to zero. Okay. If you don't, so. you did it wrong. They have to. <laughs> it's a property of the universe. It can't. It's like saying, would pi r squared ever not be the area of a circle? No, it always is. Yeah. It has to. <laughs> and think about this. If we've taken out the mean, right? We've taken out the mean. That means we've taken out so an average score. Now all we're left with is deviations not from the mean, but deviations from zero. Because the mean's been removed. So we get deviations from zero, now not deviations from the mean. Does that make sense? So how would we know if there is with this? So how would we know if there was an interaction? Uh, yeah. There'd be those, those things left over with these zeros. It'd be two, negative two, negative two, and two. I'll say. Yeah, if you take everything else out, if there's something left, it's got to be an interaction. And they must sum to zero. If they don't, you did it wrong. So it's not a restriction that we've really placed. The the reason that the restriction's been placed is because the model saying that that accounts for all the variance, that did it. It doesn't say, oh yeah, and extra stuff. And other things. Only if it's Tuesday. There's nothing like that in the model. So let's do another one. These are these are kind of these are kind of easy to do. They're fun. I, I find them fun. There's something wrong with me, obviously. But... Okay. Oh, Dan, you got a question? Are you just doing this? Uh, no. Okay. Except I'm realizing the math behind. You just explain the math behind. Uh... Such a graph that we've seen in uh, previous classes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I've done. <laughs> and it's like, wow. Well, I'm glad you had that epiphany. <laughs> that's, uh, I, I don't even get paid for extra epiphanies, but uh, I wish I was. Because that's class, I, it happens all the time in this class. And we've had two today. That's well, if it's a YouTube, it, YouTube uh, video, you get a problem with that. <laughs> Thank you. You're very kind. <laughs> all right. No, the comments are disabled. There's too many idiots on YouTube. I will not put YouTube comments, allow YouTube comments. Because we all know what will happen. The first comment Yeah, exactly. And then eventually it's something about Obama. And then about chemtrails. And all the statistics. Yeah, it'll be something about the President of the United States. And you know it'll happen. Oh, come on, you can't freeze now. It's all going so well. Skyfall got learned it. Well, we, we actually can't order this. I'm kidding. 
Well, that sucks. All that wasn't recorded. <laughs> That's okay. I've got last year's. I got last year's. I can post last year's. Okay. Where are we here? Okay. So let's do another example. Let's do another example. Um, this one here, we got twenty zero negative ten to two. And again, the only way I'm the only way I'm um, cooking these numbers is I'm just making it so the numbers. Uh, what do I want to say? I mean, the only way I'm cooking these things is that so that we don't get fractions. Other than that, no big deal. So twenty plus zero plus ten plus two divided by four is three. Twenty minus ten is. 10 plus 2 is 12, divided by 4 is 3. Grand mean is 3. Now we remove the grand mean. So we're going to subtract 3 from every single cell. We will subtract 3 from every single cell. All right. Now comes the grand mean. 17, negative 3, negative 13, negative 1. And now the A effect is 2 for A1, because it sums to 4. And negative 2 for A2, because it sums to negative 4, because we're going to divide by the number of observations. We're going to get an average. So we have two observations. Note again, they sum to zero. All right. Take out two from A1 and negative two from A2. Just did that. Now B1 and B2. Yeah, also take a look at this. The cells sum to zero, but now that we've taken out the effect of A, it should sum to zero along A too, and it does. It must or you did it wrong. We took it out. If we've taken it out, there's nothing left. It's gone. Zero. Nada. Okay. Notice how the cell sum zero. The gray means gone. And so the columns, as I mentioned here. So now across the rows, 15 minus 1 is 14. Negative 15 plus 1 is negative 14. Well, the effects now for B1 and B2, the effect for B1 is 7. The effect for B2 is negative 7. <coughs> Fourteen divided by two, negative fourteen divided by two. Even you guys can do that. Here. A little slander. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was pretty overt. Yeah, it wasn't a little one either. Okay, so now we're going to take seven out of B one and negative seven out of B two. Here it goes. Eight, negative eight, 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 eight. Oh, oh, oh! Interaction. <laughs> By the way, sum of squares for interaction is 256. 8 squared, 64. Eight, negative 8 squared is 64, 128. Negative 8 squared is 64. Plus 8 squared. Cool. This is actually what the math does, what those sum of squares things do, except it's always deviations from means. We took the means out to make it easier to do.
Okay. Questions? <clears throat> Spencer. Uh, so you had um, three a, um, A's, so A1, A2, A3. Yeah, sure. Would you divide by three? Yes, sir. Okay. Just wanted to be sure. Yeah. No, it's a funny question. No, because, oh, remember, it's just, it's an average. Yeah. It's the average effect that, so if we had A1, A2, A3, and we had B1 and B2, we would divide by three, we did the B effect. Yeah. 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 If you had 27 of them, you divide by 27. It's a fine question because I mean, it's it, it, as soon as you realize these are just averages for each row or column, right? So we have an interaction in this case. Note that the effects sum to zero in every possible way by the, 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 the rows, sorry, rows, columns, and also adding them all together. That's the extra restriction kind of one. That, that's they have to sum to zero. And then it works. And it always will. You are finished here. You got like one, one, three, three. You did it wrong. Go back and do it again. It just zeros, we have no interaction like we had in our first example. If you graph it, oh yeah, I think there's an interaction. Does the effect of A change depending upon the level of B? Let's see. B1 is way bigger than B2 and A1, and then they're almost the same, but they flip over at A2. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a The effect of one variable changes depending upon the level of some secondary. That's what an interaction is. Okay. Questions? Before we move on. Look, look, look stuff over a little bit because I know this is this is this is new stuff and it's a, it can be a little bit daunting. I totally get that. This is the first really new thing we've done. You've heard well, you've heard of analysis scenarios. This is making it a little more complicated and useful. Okay, all right. So let's interpret the interactions. You got to be careful when you interpret main effects in the presence of interactions. See, there's sort of two kinds of interactions. There's an ordinal interaction and there's a disordinal interaction. An ordinal interaction is an interaction where the order of main effects is preserved. So if I was to draw a picture, I'm going to leave this here because it's actually useful. Um, So first I'm going to draw you an ordinal interaction. Variable. Okay. That is an ordinal interaction. I can say that at A2, there's a bigger effect of B than there is at A1. But I can also say that B2 is bigger than B1. I can also say that A2 is bigger than A1. I feel pretty good about being able to say those things. I can say them without any qualifiers. On the other hand, a disordinal interaction looks like this. Okay, A2 is bigger than A1. And you know what? By looking at this, that graph, B1 is bigger than B2, over to the middle. 
But I can't. I mean, I can say, I can certainly, I can statistically say completely the time that uh, B1 is bigger than B2, but then I have to say, except that A2. Once A2 gets hit, then everything changes. It's hard to interpret that. It's hard to talk about a main effect in that case in the presence of the interaction. Okay, so it's hard to talk about the main effect in the presence of an interaction. When the order of the effects is not preserved. When the order of the effects is preserved on the left here, the order interaction, I can do that. Now, I will say that some people say never talk about main effects in the presence of interaction. I think that's a little strong. I say if I feel comfortable doing it, if I don't have to say except it be two, like I had to with one on the right, which is a disorder interaction, then I, I think interpreting it's fine. But you will, there, there will be people you will run into if you do end up doing this for a while who will say you just can't talk about main effects in the presence of interaction. And they have a point. You just argue against them. Right? You say, I'm only talking about this restricted set of ranges here. I'm fine with that. Because they might say, well, yeah, eventually these two lines will cross. And they're right. But not in my experiment. I didn't measure out here, so I don't know. All right. <clears throat> Questions? You're still okay. Good. Okay. Now we're going to partition the sum of squares and the degrees of freedom. So let's remember the model. Model, of course, is x equals mu plus alpha plus beta plus alpha beta plus epsilon. I have said that so many times in my life. Let's put this kind of term. Sum of squares total equals sum of squares A plus sum of squares B plus sum of squares AB plus sum of squares error. Okay? It's very similar to before. We had sum of squares total equals sum of squares treatment plus sum of squares error. It's just that we've we still got that. We still we have two treatment effects now, A and B, and then we got A B. Okay? Sum of squares A is the square deviations of column means from the random mean. It can be rows without being arbitrary. Square deviations of column means from the grand mean. And think about it, when we remove that mean, now it's just going to be only when we break those tables down. Now we're just doing deviations from zero. Sum of squares B is the square deviations of row means from the grand mean. Okay. Sum of squares A and B is the square deviations of the cell means, what we would expect given the row mean and the column mean. So if we just had the row mean and the column mean, what would we expect to get? We would get row mean plus column mean. And if we got something else, that's an interaction. 
Mm-hmm. Is it? Yes? Do you mind explaining that just one more time? No, of course. Yes, I do mind. I'm really quite tired of it. <laughs> and your attitude, young lady. Um, okay. Oh, look, I still have this. Perfect. Uh, I said that there was an effective A of plus 2. Right? And an effect of A1, and A2 is minus 2. Okay. okay? And the effect of B1 is plus 1, and the effect of B2 is minus 1. Right? If there was no interaction, I would expect this score to be 3. Just 3. But in fact, it turns out that it's going to be 6. Because I put interaction. That deviation from of this cell mean, which in this case, 2 and 1 is 3 and 3 is 6, from the grand mean, well, I haven't put a grand mean in there, so we're going to say it's 0 right now. So it's, and I'm going to that it's square it. 9, 18, 27, 36. The square is what I would expect. I expect, if I'm assuming there's no interaction, I expect those, I expect to get plus 2, plus 1, minus 2, plus 1, plus 1, minus 2, minus 1, minus, sorry, minus 2, minus 1. Show a picture of that too, because if when I'm talking about that, it won't make any sense if you listen to the podcast later, so let's just do that. Any sense now? Yeah. Good. Okay. So that's all this is. These are square deviations from cell means who we'd expect given the row and the column. Sum of scores error is the square deviations of individual scores, which we don't have there. This gets really messy looking if I put individual scores in there. But from individual scores within his, from their cell mean. So if you, uh, let's see, you have six of you guys here, and you have a cell mean, there's six of you guys in each group, okay? So we'll say that. And then you have a cell mean of, uh, let's see here, now it's of six. Then we find out what all your scores are, and how each score deviates from six. We're not going to do that. We're going to let a computer do that for us. It gets to be a pain to do, so we're not going to do it ourselves. But theory, you know, um, not theoretically, but I mean, that, that actually is what happens. And I'll show you the math in a second. Um, so more precisely, it's this. Oh my God. <laughs> That's terrifying. It should, no, no, it shouldn't be. Look, sum of squares total. Sum of squared deviations from the grand theme. That's all that says. Sum of squares for A. This is the number of subjects per group uh, times the number of groups. That's just that we're waiting it. But so let's not worry about what's on the outside here. Row means from grand mean squared. Column mean from grand mean squared. Let's skip that for a second. Individual scores. That should not be an X bar, that should just be an X. Individual scores. <coughs> what the hell am I doing? Oh, I see what I did. Yeah, that's... Yes, individual scores, minus the row mean, minus the column mean. <coughs> Wait a second, minus the row mean, minus the column mean? That means we're taking up the grand mean once. So let's put it back in. That's the individuals. And then this is the, this is the interaction. Individual cell means minus grand mean. Simple. 
Now that's I've got that wrong. That should be a, that, yeah. Don't worry about that. But uh, just doing that thing again where it's not going to low advance. Okay, here we go. How many degrees of freedom? Well, n minus one. Big A number of subjects. How many degrees of freedom for A? Well, it's going to be A minus one. How many for B? B minus one. That's the number of levels of A, the number of levels of B. Okay? So in our case, with, with the what we have on the, on the board here, it's going to be one degree of freedom and one degree of freedom. For the interaction term, it's A minus one times B minus one. Number of levels of A times the number of levels of B. And for the error, it's A times B times N minus 1. Levels of A times the levels of B times N minus 1. Number of levels of A times the number of levels of B times N minus 1. So think about this. Let's say this. Let's say we have that example here on the board, and let's say that we did have six people per group. Okay? So then we would have how many total observations? Six times four, 24. We have 23 total degrees of freedom. How many degrees of freedom do we have for A? One. How many degrees of freedom do we have for B? How about A, B? Then N minus one, little n is six. Minus one is five. Five times two is 10, times two is 20. Oh, look at some of the 23. so many times in school. Grade 13 chemistry, we, 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 uh, we brought soup and we started making it. Like, color soup with a Bunsen burner. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the teacher said, did you boys bring enough for everyone? And of course, we did. I said, yeah, sure, we got like all kinds of it. Because he thought he was using the standard teacher line and it, it could be different. Well, then just be quiet and eat your soup. <laughs> like, your grade 13 was weird because it's like you're 19, you're 18, 19 years old, you're treated a whole lot differently. So. But yeah, we also purposely one day chewed gum really loudly and he asked us if we brought enough, if enough gum for everyone. It's like, yep! Yeah. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. Don't wear a hat in my class. Don't get you gum. Don't. What is this? The army? <laughs> you know, I'm really all for discipline in, in classrooms. I really am. I mean, I, I know I run things fast and loose a lot in class, but I don't like people talking when I'm talking unless they're talking with the material or very quietly talking. It's okay. And now and then, it's okay. People that talk constantly, it bugs me and I stop and I stare at them. It's not anybody in this group at all. Uh, you, I think you all know that if that happened in this class, you'd be screwed. You have to pay attention. I've had it in other classes. The other rest of it, you know, Isabel was once in a class in Newfoundland where the guy told her to, start, to, 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 to pay attention and look at the board. I would have just told him to go himself. I mean, if, God, that's annoying. Anyway. Everybody's own rules, I get that, but geez. Oh. Anyway, that's not very much ranting for today. Um, do you have any questions? I think we're going to stop early because the break's coming and you guys don't want to work. Um,
and that's the point of the game. I get this is really hard. We're gonna have we're gonna pace ourselves. We're going to pace ourselves. We're going to get it all done. I believe I, this is the twenty-first time I've done this course. We're going to get all the material done. I'm not concerned about that. But do you have any other questions? So, by the way, what would happen here? Let's just take a quick look at this. We would end up with we get six here. We get let's see, negative two, negative two, negative five. Plus one is negative four here. We get two minus one is one. Minus three is negative two. And we get negative three plus three is zero here. Right? I'm assuming I did that correctly. Yeah, I did. Uh, you might want to just try breaking that down yourself to see if you actually get those things. All right. Bless to men. 
This podcast is released under a Creative Commons copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right. Giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want, okay? Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's Podsafe, and most of it comes from GarageBand.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.